Hi there, it's Katie Joy, the Global Butterfly, and I'm really excited to share this podcast with you today, particularly because I'm actually going to hand you over to one of my clients and dear friends, Wayne Pepper, who's going to share with you um, this presentation from Slavery to Sovereignty. I personally love to help people, particularly single parents or anyone who is in a situation where they're waking up to reclaiming their life, reclaiming their power, reclaiming their financials, reclaiming their sovereignty, to design their life and live their dreams on their own terms. And, you know, a big part of that is to wake up to really understand what the system is, the matrix, the, the way that it's been operating and the great deception. So Wayne has done a fantastic job in this presentation and it's something I'm so delighted to share with you and uh, give you the gift of being aware of this too and be able to get it out there. So I'm going to hand it over to Wayne and thoroughly enjoy it. See you on the other side. Righto, we're away. Let's hope this works. I've had all sorts of issues this week and tonight. Every time I go to work on this, I have tech issues. I've had, uh, I just said a prayer to the gods. Uh, I, um, that <laughs> my internet will hold together, be dropping in and out. But anyway, I believe it'll work. So first of all, Katie Joy, I'd like to thank you for providing the venue, the opportunity and the encouragement to do this thing. You need to know that I really appreciate this. Oh, you're welcome, mate. Thank you. <laughs> uh, a little disclaimer. The information is educational. Um, I've learned this information from many sources. Um, I'd like to thank some of those sources, even though I've never met them, but I'm getting material from them. So David Strait, Bromley Stewart, Rowan Lorian and Bill Turner. Never met them, but one day I'd like to, because they've really helped me with my education. So this story, really it's about my beliefs and maybe you'll agree with them and maybe you don't, you don't have to. But at the very least, it'd be good if they encourage you to do some research of your own because even if I've got some of my facts wrong, I sincerely believe that the situation that I'm gonna discuss is very real. So what I'm really gonna talk about here today is um, a worldwide problem, if you like. And some of you might know some about it and some of you might know little about it, but you may well be stunned by the size and, and the complexity of this problem. There's been much talk the last two and a half years about pandemics, but that's only really one part of the problem. So I'm gonna try and give you an overview of the big problem. Now it's it's all around us, all of the time. Some people don't see it, eh? So I hope by the time I'm finished with you lot that you can't unsee it. There will be some answers, but they too may be complex and they will definitely require some learning and some courage and determination to put them into place. 
But let me start by telling you about a country in this big world of ours. Let me tell you about a country that I know about. People in this country are terribly oppressed. The country's been taken over and occupied by a foreign power. Hardly a shot's been fired. And yet the foreign power have infiltrated every seat of power in the country, including parliament, bureaucracy, military, judicial, and the heads of large corporations. They have a kind of a pretend law backed up by propaganda, really. So this foreign power has almost absolute control over the, the whole population, most of the population. The population in this country have been fed propaganda daily until they lost touch with reality. They became like zombies. And it's hard to believe that the population of this country had almost no idea that there was anything wrong. They had, after a period of time, lost all autonomy and they were now not thinking for themselves. And in this country, a ridiculous situation could arise whereby a homeless man living on the streets and relying on handouts from other people to survive could actually have a trust account worth tens of millions or hundreds of millions or even billions of dollars and not even know it because it's been kept from him by his controllers. The situation in this country became so bad that even though a few people understood, when they tried to tell others about it, uh, their friends, their relatives, their workmates, they were howled down, ridiculed, even abused. So this country wasn't much fun, but let me give you an idea what it would be like. So let's say we had a mob of sheep. Now, I say mob of sheep, I grew up on a sheep farm, right? And we, we always had a mob of sheep. I believe the right word, the correct word is a flock of sheep. But we never had a flock where we were. We always had a mob of sheep. So let's say there's 300 sheep in this mob. And there's one man and one dog. And they get these sheep, they move these sheep all over the place, from paddock to paddock, over thousands of acres, probably. They put them into small yards, even put them into sheds, and they do all sorts of things with them. And one day, one of the older sheep thought he'd worked something out. He thought he'd worked out that they were being controlled. So he thought, as you do, that he'd better tell his mates about it. So he said, hey, mates. And I said, yeah, mate, what's up? He said, I've worked something out. I reckon we're being controlled. I think the man and the dog are working together. They went, oh, <laughs> how could that possibly be? That wouldn't be right. That couldn't happen. Well, that's exactly what it was like in this country that I'm talking about. So after a particularly prolonged propaganda campaign that threw most of the population into absolute fear, 
people voluntarily locked themselves in their home. They were told by their controllers that, that they could only leave their homes under strict conditions. Propaganda decreed that people could no longer travel freely, either internationally or nationally. In fact, for a period of time, they were only allowed a small distance from home. So it was like living in a cage with the door wide open. So you've got to ask yourself, what would it be like to live in such a country? Well, welcome to Australia, New Zealand, America, Canada, and I dare say many other countries around the world because it's no accident that this was a, a worldwide problem and the, the narrative might not be exactly the same in an Asian country or somewhere else, but the story, the circumstance would be the same, I think. So all of these people that are affected by, by this are, are born into a type of uh, economic slavery and have lived their whole lives without realising that they're slaves. But the lies and deceit began many years ago, maybe even centuries ago. And some of it can actually be traced back quite some time. But from probably about the year 2000 up until today, middle of 2022, things have really accelerated, really noticeably accelerated. And what we have to realise, these, these controllers have been stealing our money, our birthright, our unalienable rights, and indeed our life energy. They've been converting our life energy into money and stealing. So where does their power come from? Where does that kind of power come from? Well, in part because of our ignorance of what has gone on. And I guess that's not really our fault. We've been, been deceived our whole lives. But once you're made aware of the problem and you're no longer ignorant, if you continue to live the same way, you probably deserve what you get. But we didn't know. We were deceived. Now, remember I said they had pretend laws, and I reckon they were pretend laws because the only power that these controllers really ever had was the consent of the people. Now, that's a bit of a, now I didn't go to university, but I think the word's oxymoron. I just, I are I, I truck driver, not, I didn't go to university. So I think it's an oxymoron. I've just finished telling you that these controllers have stolen your money, your birthright, your life energy. And yet they've done it with your consent. And the fact is, they can only impose their law on us with our consent or contract. If we all withdrew our consent tomorrow, they would have nothing. And I really believe that that would be one of their biggest fears. So let's see if this screen share will work. And uh, how are we going to? 
is screen share. Oh, no. So, I've called this slavery, slavery to sovereignty. And we're going to discuss the why of all of this. And I've already mentioned in the introduction that we're slaves. So, and I also talked about our unalienable rights. And they're the rights that they're the rights that God gave us. They're our God-given rights. Personal rights held by an individual which are not bestowed by law, custom, or belief, in which cannot be taken away or given away or transferred to another person. These are your God-given rights. Those rights include life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, in the, as in the... US Constitution, and this essential equality that comes from these God-given rights means that no one is born with a natural right to rule over others without their consent, and that governments are obligated to apply the law equally to everyone. Well, I didn't fucking say much of that lately, have we? So these unalienable rights, there's heaps of them here and there'd be many, many more. The top one, the right to life, freedom, health and the pursuit of happiness. The right to contract or not to contract, which is unlimited. The right to earn a living by being compensated with wages, salary or any trade goods in a fair exchange for one's work. The right to travel in the ordinary course of one's life and business. Well. We've seen that unalienable right stripped from us here in this country because at one stage, over a certain period of time, we weren't allowed to cross an imaginary line called the state border in our own country without undergoing a medical procedure and showing our paperwork. That's definitely an abuse of our unalienable rights. Uh, there's many more there, but there's no point in going through the whole lot. So I've got a little meme here straight from Facebook, so you can see I've uh, done my due diligence. I've done, you know, I've really examined this subject. And it's pretty appropriate, really. So sometimes your freedom is not taken away at gunpoint, but instead it is done one piece of paper at a time one seemingly meaningless rule at a time, one small silencing at a time. And that's really what it's been like, eh? So, Sam's just making a bit of an adjustment here, I lost sight of you. So now, I want to talk briefly about the straw man, and it is a complex, subject, but it's one of the tools that your controllers use to make you a slave. So you need to know about it. The strawman's a legal fiction. Uh, he was created by your controller or by your government. So when you're born, the hospital issues a live birth certificate. Then your parents register you with birth 
deaths and marriages, and another birth certificate's created. Well, your birth certificate is a financial instrument, a bond, and can and will be traded on the world stock market. You also need to know, when you register something, you give ownership to the registrar. So you, at that point, when your parents registered you, you became a ward of the state. You're also dead. Law, that is. Dead in law. So, after all this birthing and registering, the government has registered, registered a trust in the name of your straw man. They created your straw man for just that purpose. The World Bank then settled your trust, and by settled, I mean they put money in there. Supposedly, depending on who you listen to, uh, a little video coming up, he says $1 million. So you're still in the crib and you have an account worth a million dollars. Interesting thought. But by now, your government's trading your birth certificate on the world bond market and making money. Now you're dead in law and you died in test eight. You didn't have time to make a will. So someone has to be appointed to manage your trust. Now, I, don't, I, I think that can't happen for seven years. I think they have to sort of make out that they couldn't, they spent seven years looking for you and couldn't find you. So the government, your government, will apply to the family court to manage your trust. And of course, it just gets rubber stamped. So we want to talk about this trust. And the trust is linked to the Proof of Life Act. There'll be a, a very short history lesson here, but the trust now, <laughs> this is French. I pronounce it CETA-KV because that was a shortened version of it that I saw. That's Australian truck driver talk for whatever that really says. Right. So the Proof of Life Act is an act of redress of inconveniences by want of proof with an E of the deceases of persons beyond the seas or absenting themselves upon whose lives estates do depend. Now, what they're saying there is that they want redress for inconveniences uh, because you, the person, have gone missing, possibly beyond the seas. You have an estate, which you're not here to manage. So they're actually holding their hand up to manage your estate for you so, because you haven't proved to them that you're alive. So the first set of KV trusts were formed by Henry VIII of England in 1540. The poor people of England had already had their homes, goods, and wealth seized by Henry in 1535. Then a short five years later, and I haven't looked into this and I don't really know why, but five years later, he granted them a welfare or commonwealth benefit of a set of KV trust with which to live 
work and bequeathed by a written will. So that would have been a benevolent act. That lasted for less than 130 years. In 1666, well, sixes there, maybe that's significant. While the great fire of London raged, I've been told it was a false flag event. I don't know, I wasn't there. Well, I don't think I was there. So deliberately lit is the story. Possibly true, I'm not claiming that, but it's possibly true. So while the great fire of London was raging, Westminster and the ruling classes passed the Proof of Life Act, whereby the poor and disenfranchised that had not proven to Westminster and the courts that they were alive, were henceforth to be declared dead in law, therefore lost and abandoned. And the story is that, of course, that they were lost at sea. And their property to be managed in their absence. I believe this act remains in force today and is, used to, and is used to plunder your trust account and steal your birthright on a daily basis. Now, if it's not enforced, there's something very much like that going on. I believe it's the foundation stone of global banking slavery. That word again, slavery. I'm going to get into that a bit now because in the 1930s, there were what I reckon were deliberate bankrupts. So in 1933, under President Roosevelt, America was declared bankrupt. This was declared by executive orders 6073, 6102, 6111 and 6260, just for your information. All gold and silver was confiscated from the people and fiat currency was introduced. Fiat currency has just about outlived its usefulness, I think. So I think we could be looking for a change there. The receivers of the United States bankruptcy with the international bankers, the United Nations, the World Banks, the World Bank, and of course the Rothschilds, etc. Now, at the same time, New Zealand also went bankrupt in 1933. Australia went bankrupt sometime between 1929 and 1933. And it's almost certain that other countries were sent bankrupt as well. It would defy logic, well, it defies my logic anyway, to assume that this was not deliberate because it transferred power and money away from the people and into the hands of the few. Well, why is this important? Well, apart from the fact that they had allowed them to steal your money, it's, well, because Roosevelt and other so-called leaders, and I question the word leaders, used their people's earning capacity as collateral for massive loans. In other words, they worked out what you could earn in a lifetime and they put a monetary sum against that and used that as collateral for a massive loan to their country so that they could continue to trade. And it's, it's just beyond belief. From that point on, you became 
uh, a financial slave. And it's from this point where they, uh, they steal your birthright. They, they steal your life energy. From that point on, all work that you did, all the work that you did was converted to money and by way of fines, taxes, charges, or whatever else, they took that money and it didn't go to your country. It didn't go to your country. It didn't go to help your people. It didn't go to mend the pothole outside your front gate. They don't give a fuck about the pothole outside your front gate. So after this time, after 1933, birth certificates were introduced. Governments then registered us into their SETI KV trusts. From that point on, as I said, people were born into slavery, into slavery. Your parents didn't know and you didn't know. They didn't know they'd been tricked into registering you. You were still in the crib. I know why you could know. So from that point on, well, everybody has basically worked their whole life to pay the perpetrators of this fraud. Not a nice thought. Video. That's a reminder for me to put a video up. So just stop the share. And I'll probably have to go back in there and work out how to share this video. I'll see if I can get it up, eh? So, where are you, video? Every individual in the United States and in most countries of the world have a substitute. Uh, wait a minute. Can you say that? You can't, can you? No, not yet. Incredibly important. Wait a minute. You all know basic accounting? What is that? Wait a minute. It's a balance sheet, right? Yeah, and you say it now. Incorrect. You guys have been thinking you're the debtor. They keep telling us. Can that, you right? say that now? We're a debtor. We owe money on credit cards. We owe money on our houses. We owe money on. Yes. Our yep. Good. What happens at birth, though? And I'm just going to use the figures from 75 to now because it's round numbers. We were bonded for $1 million. What does that mean? That means the bank went to the International Monetary Fund and the bank on behalf of the public under your CUSIP number borrowed from the International Monetary Fund $1 million in ones, fives, tens, twenties, fifties, hundreds, and they threw it out there into the general public. They distributed that $1 million to the bank for every person who should. That's what they did. On the credit side, $1 million worth of United States Treasury bonds are issued and they're sold. They're hypothecated, they're bundled, and they're sold on the stock exchange. And if we wanted to, I could pull up a website if we had internet access, and I could put in one of your CUSIP numbers, and I could show you the companies that are buying and selling you today. You have more than one CUSIP number, by the way. As we increase in value, I'll just put it that way, as we get better in our life, the more we join the military or get more college degrees, we get more and more CUSA numbers. You are the credit. 
You are the creditor. They're making you believe you're also the debtor. And you are. You're both. This is your vessel. This is you. Okay. This is your labor. This is your work. <clears throat> I got five college degrees. Every time I got an advanced degree in college, I got a new CUSA number. In the military, I got a new CUSA number. All these CUSA numbers are attached to my main birth number. Okay. This is a bad spot. Anyway, let's stop here. It's a balance sheet, right? Balance, got a million on one side, a million on the other. This gets invested. It keeps growing and growing and growing. And let's just say it grows to $100 million. And by the way, that figure is low. I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt. I've seen individuals work $35 billion or more that didn't know they had a dime. Okay, it keeps growing and growing and growing. Our first 18 years of life, we're not spending anything. So nothing is going over here, our first 18 years. That's growing and growing and growing for 18 years. And it's being hypothecated and traded. They've done a good job on that. They really have. First 18 years, it's growing and growing and growing. You're not spending anything. You're not adding anything to the debt aside. Then you go get a job and you get married and you go out and you buy a house. I'm just going to use numbers. And the numbers themselves don't matter. It's the concept. Okay. You buy a car or two. You buy some utilities or two over your lifetime, some medical bills, some food, whatever. They keep track of it all through your tax returns, your credit card, your bank statements. Banking is all tied into the IMF, the Federal Reserve. We've got a big buildings of bean counters called the Department of Fiscal Services. And they, those accountants just keep track of it. Everybody's like, And this all starts to add up on the debit side. And this just keeps growing and growing and growing on the investment side. At some point in time, you die. And it goes through probate. They take... Some of this, and let's just say over your lifetime you spent, I'm going to round it off to $10 million. So they subtract $10 million out of your investment, and they pay off all this, and it becomes a zero balance. They even pay back the initial loan to the International Monetary Fund plus interest. That was a loan from a foreign entity, by the way, to the public charitable trust. And they pay it back. The balance is zero. Now, this has, let's just say for this discussion, has $90 million left in it. What happens to it? The Susta QB Trust lives on in perpetuity forever. Everyone who has ever died since 1933 is currently funding government. This money gets reinvested. They can't take this. But the balance must stay the same forever. But if it keeps earning, they just sweep it off the top. And it funds government. It's called off-book funds. In the states, it's GSA. And in the federal government, it's CQV. And it continues to fund government. Why do you think they don't care if they spend $3 trillion on foreign entities? It came out of your trust. It's not part of taxes. In fact, if you took the entire federal budget, how much is derived from taxes and tariffs? If you call up the Department of Fiscal Services and you send a FOIA request and you ask them, who is the largest contributor to the federal budget? The Department of Justice to the tune of $1 trillion a day is taken out of our SESTA QB trusts or our court systems every day, a trillion dollars. 
That's more than 25 days than our entire gross domestic product in a year. In 25 days. They don't have to disclose the CPD. See, I had to prove this in federal court to get to talk about it. So, a big portion of this comes out of this before we die. Every time you have a court case, the case is a CUSIP number, the case number. The court. Well, you guys, that was um, American, but very informative. I, uh, yeah, it gave me some information that I never had before that about how these things actually work. So I found that extremely interesting. Yeah, and just for those who don't know, the QSIP number that you talked about, it's a unique ID number assigned to stocks and registered bonds. It's like gets you into the account. It stands for stands for QSIP Committee on Uniform Securities Identification Procedures. So there you go. Now I'm just wondering if we would like to just uh, if anybody's got a few questions, we could ask a few questions now before I go on to the second part. So has anybody got anything they want to ask or add, or do you want to? Yeah, so anybody? <laughs> Thanks, Katie. Uh, so if you've got a question, hold your hand up. Otherwise, I'm just going to keep on talking. Yeah, Bernie. Where do you find that unique number? Uh, like you said, there's lots of them and uh and some mates are still researching that so um we might be able to let you know that in future but there's many of them so it's that there will be a process i'm sure uh c u s i p qsip what did I say it stood for? It's the Committee on Uniform Securities Identification Procedures. That's what QSIP stands for. But it's like the it's the mystery number that you need to get into an account, and stockbrokers and brokers and those sorts of people would know would well know about. All right, so no more questions. We will just keep on moving right along. So, so what have we got so far? Have we got the importance of our unalienable rights? And the fact that no one has a natural right to rule over others. You can't even give those rights away, let alone have somebody fucking take it. Like, there you go. And, and we're in such a state, the human race is in such a state that they've just given up their rights. Like, 
I can't believe it. When you know this information and you think back what's happened over the last couple of years, it's so bad, isn't it? Freedom can be removed one tiny piece at a time and people don't notice. Well, how true is that? That's exactly what's been going on. Uh, your corporate government created a straw man, which is a legal entity. And your straw man is a, a debtor by nature because he can't work, he can't create money. All he's there for is he's a debtor and that's all he can ever be. You don't want to be your straw man. The government's also created the SETI KV trust account in your name. Big questions about that. Who actually owns it? They opened it, but it's got your name on it. You don't, possibly don't, have access to it. Uh, I think they're the trustee and you're the beneficiary, and the beneficiary is supposed to get paid out, but they're not going to fucking give you anything, are they? They're not going <laughs> to share it with you. And you are lost at sea because of the Proof of Life Act. The government is controlling your trust. And because of situations that happened a long time ago, planned situations, you're a financial slave because your labour, your life energy, in fact, has been pledged as collateral for a loan to your country without your knowledge. Now, they could... Back then in 1933, they could hardly ask the question, could they? But they did it without the knowledge of the public. They bought in birth certificates, which probably seemed to most people like a great way to manage the country and be able to, you know, work out who's who. And, but the energy behind that was to open a trust account, fund it, trade it, keep it with you, keep it away from you. So your corporate government taxes you, fines you, charges you, not even, well, this is my belief, not even because they need the money, but to keep the money away from you. Initially, maybe they needed the money, but what can a few powerful people who rule the planet do with an excess of money? There's only so much you can buy. They've taken most things. They keep the money from you. And that this is to keep you poor, busy, tired, and five minutes away from bankruptcy your whole life so that you don't really have time to question why your life is that way at all. Something to reflect on. Okay, so uh, we're going to move on to another few slides. So we're going to take a look at some examples of the tools that your corporate government use against you, stuff that you probably wouldn't know about. They're relatively simple, but devious. There's a thing called inclusio exclusio. There's the word include, the word person, how we consent to their pretend laws without knowing, and another thing called grammatical deception. And I can't I can't stress enough how much help I've had with information from 
other people. So we're gonna uh, gonna go back and share that screen again. Happen. So, yeah, that one. Right, oh, this is a section I call word fuckery. How they deceive us with words. So we're going to look at inclusio exclusio. And I was amazed when I learned this and the use of the word includes. So inclusio exclusio is a Latin legal maxim that makes the point that where a statute, contract or other legal document includes a list of items falling into a category, the inclusion, everything after the word includes, the inclusion of certain items on that list should be presumed to mean that any excluded items are intentionally outside the, the definition. Now, that's a bit of a mouthful. Let's say that somebody made a claim that 1,000 doctors and Wayno, no, 1,000 doctors, including Wayno, made a claim that Indian curry is good for you. So the only thing that came after the word includes was Wayno. So the 1,000 doctors part, which made it sound like it was really well backed, that's not included. It's word fuckery. Politicians and the media use it all the time. So it's something that you need to keep an eye on, the word includes. Now, let's have a look at something here. An example of inclusio exclusio. And we're looking at Government Act here. The Income Tax Assessment Act 1997, Section 960.505. Meaning of Australia, territories, Australia. I don't know whether you can read that, but Australia, when used in a geographical sense, includes each of the following. Norfolk Island, Coral Sea Islands, the Territory of Ashmore and Cartier Islands, the Territory of Christmas Island, the Territory of Cocos Keeling Islands, and the Territory of Heard Island and, and the MacDonald Island. Now, if you notice, there's no mention of the Australian mainland. According to this Act, the Australian mainland is not a part of Australia. Now, this was uncovered only back in, well, last year sometime, 2021 sometime. This come on the scene, the, the people that I follow started to talk about this stuff. That actually factually says on a Commonwealth government document that Australia is those islands and does not include the mainland of Australia. Here's another one. The Acts Interpretation Act 1901, Section 2B. 
definitions. So we go down here where I lined this bit off. It's the definition of Australia. It means the Commonwealth of Australia, which is probably a company anyway, and when used in a geographical sense, includes Norfolk Island, the territory of Christmas Island, and the territory of Cocos Keeling Islands, but does not include any other external territory. The country that we know as Australia is actually a bunch of islands and there is a video about which I can point you to at some other time that shows that it's also from 200 metres from the shoreline out to the continental shelf right around Australia. That's known as Australia and that's where we're all lost at sea, I guess. That's why we need citizenship, because we need a ship, because we're lost at sea. So this is pretty serious stuff when you think of our government. <laughs> it didn't just happen yesterday. It only got found out yesterday, but it's been going on for a long time. God, oh, no, let's have a look at another thing. Let's have a look at the word person. Person in John Bouvier's Law Dictionary, sixth edition, is number two. Person is used to denote a corporation, which is an artificial person. You do not want to be a person. Right? If you have a look in the Goods and Services Tax, a new tax system. Goods and Services Tax Act 1999, Section 195.1, it says, defines a person as includes a company. Now, if you go looking for that, you'd have to put that in to Google and you'd go to the dictionary and you scroll down to P until you find person. And that's where it says person includes a company. So as far as your government is concerned, a person is a company. And a person, person is a word used in regulations time and time again. So I'll just, I'll tell you about this. I had this, uh, I had, the, I looked at this before, the Chief Health Officer Direction 55 in the Northern Territory. And I had it up and I'd gone through and I marked all the bits in red, all the words, and then I lost it, couldn't find it because I was having all this tech problem. <laughs> so what we got here, in this seven-page document, we find the words worker and person. And when we have a look, we go to the definition. A definition of a worker is a person. So they're one and the same thing. So the word person, worker, is mentioned more than 80 times in a seven-page document. But we know that a person is a corporation. So who does their legislation address? And people need to be thinking along these lines. You do not want to be a person. So let's have a look. It's actually addressing your straw man, your legal fiction. 
Your straw man is a corporation. He's an artificial person. That's who they're talking to. Because we don't know any different, we comply. Just think what happened over the last two years. They locked us up. People lost their jobs. They rolled their sleeves up. They did all sorts of shit. They just went and complied because they didn't know that the government was talking to their straw man. This is called joinder, the action of bringing parties together. It's like, got ya. At that point, we've consented. It's like you get a summons to go to court. Summons is an invitation to go to court. Right? It's an invitation to go to court. And you can decline the information, the, the invitation when you know how to do it. It's probably turned up addressed to you in capital letters, so it's actually your straw man. So if you do as you're told and you turn up at court and they say, is Wayne over there? And I say, yep, I'm Wayne over. Bang, got you. Straight away, joined up between me. They've addressed it to my straw man. I've owned up and said, that's me. They can do whatever they fucking like with me from that point on. That's how it works. Now we're going to talk about grammar. I hated grammar at school. I, and I hated my grammar teacher, Mrs. Hutton. I can still, she's probably, I don't know, two teachers I can remember. She's one of them. She was horrible. And she loved Latin. And Latin has since been removed a long time ago because they don't want you to know anything about Latin. So let's say we look at English versus ancient Latin versus what they call dog Latin. So proper English, that's that one there. I don't think I can highlight that. Yes, I can. So that's proper, proper English for the capital C and a capital A for the proper noun. Right? This one here, that's, that's ancient Latin, where they put a hyphen or a star-shaped thing. They did, if you have a look on old buildings, be prominent around the Vatican, I believe. That's ancient Latin. And this one, this one is what they call dog Latin. It's not that, and it's not that. You can, you can use upper and lower case, but you can't write in all upper case. And in the law dictionaries, dog Latin, is known as immoral, debauched, and criminal, right? This is extremely common on uh, official documents, banks, and governments, right? So the fact is, I believe, Written English from governments, banks, corporations, etc., has to be validated or have official sanction from an institution such as, and I've heard of two of them, there's possibly others, the Chicago Manual of Styles or the Oxford Manual of Style. So if you took the government to court over a document that they were using to sue you or to fine you or whatever, 
and you ask them which manual of styles was used to, um, to provide, you know, to, to provide this document, they probably couldn't tell you. In fact, one of my teachers who I've never met, a fellow called Romney Stewart, he actually tells the story of going to court over non-payment of a power bill. And that was his defense. He asked them to show the styles manual that they'd used and why that is. What we know is if proper English and dog Latin are used on the same sheet of paper, there is no jurisdiction or correspondence between these two languages. That transcript is meaningless. So if you see dog Latin and proper English together on one page, that doesn't mean anything. The transcript is meaningless. Here's an example of grammatical deception. I could have put my license up here, but I decided not to. But if I look at my license across the top in dog Latin, it says Northern Territory of Australia driver license. It says name or your name or my name in dog Latin again, and it's back to front, sums in uppercase and sums in lowercase. So already we've got it mixed up. Then it says license number and it's written like that in dog Latin. And it's got the number. It's got class also written in dog Latin. I've got a couple of classes, so it's got them. And at the bottom, it has my home address written in proper English. It's grammatical deception. Once you know what to look for, you may find many meaningless government documents. I don't know whether you'd want to go to the trouble of proving it or questioning it, but it's a really good thing to know. Well, we call this slavery to sovereignty. I hope I demonstrated the slavery bit. Um, I think I did. What would sovereignty look like? Well, sovereignty is autonomous, free, freestanding, independent, self-governed, self-ruling, separate, freeborn, emancipated, freed, liberated, redeemed, released unconquered, unruled, unsupervised, empowered, enfranchised. Now, if you compare the energy in those words with these down the bottom, which are the slavery type, bound, captive, conquered, enslaved, fettered, subdued, subjugated, inferior, subordinate, subservient, dependent, non-autonomous, subject, unfree. Fair bit of energy difference there, I think. Now that would appear. I'm back. So a fair bit of difference between slavery and sovereignty. And I know where I want to be. 
How do you get there? Well, I've decided it's not easy. And I've also decided that the most, the most important thing that you can do towards that end, because it's, it's not something that somebody is going to deliver up to you. It's just not. I mean, one day Donald Trump might come riding in on a big white horse, but in the meantime, we don't know when. So it's not something that's going to be delivered to you. You have to get, you have to achieve sovereignty yourself. And the main, the most important thing to achieve sovereignty is to learn to stand in your power. That, that is the secret. You know, is that easy? Fuck no, it's not easy. I've, well, I, I've stood in my power a few times and I've done good and I've done bad. And I've learned recently that when you stand in your power, you, if you really know your stuff and you, you know you're right and you feel it here and there's no fear that you can do this. It's a bit of a journey to get to there, as we know. Right? But you have to, uh, what was the word I used? You can't, be, you can't be mean to other people. You can't, you can't call a policeman fat like I did one day. And it, <laughs> it felt really good and it was true, but I wouldn't do that again. <laughs> you could say I've learned a little bit since then. So the more, the more we can stand in our power and the more we can, the more we learn, the more knowledge that we have like behind us pushing us forward, then the better we're going to be at this. And I think I've demonstrated that the laws are bluff. They're nothing more than bluff. They really do not have the power. They really do not. And that's, that's a fact. And so, you know, when we stand up and say, no, thank you, and we get a summons to go to court, we send them back a letter and say, no, nah, I'm not going to take your invitation. And when the police pull us over, well, we have to know what to say and how to behave. And we have to be respectful because we don't want, we're not trying to start a fight with anybody. We're, what are we doing? We're imposing our unalienable rights. And nobody, a policeman, judge, a prime minister, I don't give a fuck who they are, nobody has the right to impose on your unalienable rights. So I'm going to share my screen one more time. I've got a three-minute video that I'd like you to see. Stand by. I hope I can find it.
Real owners now. The real owners, the big wealthy business interests that control things and make all the important decisions. Forget the politicians. Politicians are put there to give you the idea that you have freedom of choice. You don't. You have no choice. You have owners. They own you. They own everything. They own all the important land. They own and control the corporations. They've long since bought and paid for the Senate, the Congress, the state houses, the city halls. They have the judges in their back pockets. And they own all the big media companies, so they control just about all of the news and information you get to hear. They got you by the balls. They, they spend billions of dollars every year lobbying, lobbying to get what they want. Well, we know what they want. They want more for themselves and less for everybody else. But I'll tell you what they don't want. They don't want a population of citizens capable of critical thinking. They don't want well-informed, well-educated people capable of critical thinking. They're not interested in that. That doesn't help them. That's against their interests. They don't want people who are smart enough to sit around the kitchen table and figure out how badly they're getting fucked by a system that threw them overboard 30 fucking years ago. They don't want that. You know what they want? They want obedient workers. Obedient workers. People who are just smart enough to run the machines and do the paperwork and just dumb enough to passively accept all these increasingly shittier jobs with the lower pay, the longer hours, reduced benefits, the end of overtime, and the vanishing pension that disappears the minute you go to collect it. And now they're coming for your social security money. They want your fucking retirement money. They want it back so they can give it to their criminal friends on Wall Street. And you know something? They'll get it. They'll get it all from you sooner or later because they own this fucking place. It's a big club. And you ain't in it. You and I are not in the big club. By the way, it's the same big club they use to beat you over the head with all day long when they tell you what to believe. All day long, beat you over the head in their meetings, telling you what to believe, what to think, and what to buy. The table is tilted, folks. The game is rigged. Nobody seems to notice. Nobody seems to care. Good, honest, hard-working people, white-collar, blue-collar, doesn't matter what color shirt you have on, good, honest, hard-working people continue, these people of modest means, continue to elect these rich cocksuckers who don't give a fuck about them. They don't give a fuck about you. They don't give a fuck about you. They don't care about you at all, at all, at all. Seems to notice, nobody seems to care. That's what the owners count on the fact that Americans will probably remain willfully ignorant of the big red, white, and blue dick that's being jammed up their assholes every day. Yeah. All right, folks. That's it. That's my story for the night. <laughs> it's question time. Wow, wasn't that great? So if you'd like to be in contact with Wayne, please check the links down below. I'll drop some links for access to him. Also the videos that were uh, shared on the presentation where you can actually go and watch these videos and you can even email Wayne, get in touch with him, finding out any more directly with him. Um, Again, I'm Katie Joy. I really love to help you really design your life, live your dreams and doing it all on your own terms. And if you've got any kind of um, keenness to follow along on my journey and get access to more of the content that I provide, 
make sure that you follow me on Facebook. Um, the links will be down below on YouTube or on my website. And definitely put your name and email into, into the email option to join the community. Grab the download. There's a, a heart activation meditation and 111 positive affirmations for spiritual ascension as one of my gifts to give away. But you also get that um, con constant contact, stay in touch and be able to be the first to hear of any other content released and especially on a weekly basis. Thanks for that. Have a really awesome time. And remember, design your life, live your dreams, and love with love, light, manifesting. Go home and be a, a wonderful miracle in the world by being the best version of you.